First John chapter five verse thirteen says, "I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life." Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way. We're now on episode thirty, I believe. Of the podcast of Faith Bible Church, I am Bryce, Pastor Bryce, one of the pastor elders here, and I am delighted, more than I can say, to have my dear, dear brother, Mike Schaus, with me. Thanks for being here, Mike. Hey, it is great to be here. Well, today we are continuing to talk about the gospel, a refreshing topic. It's what we're going to be focused on for the next three months. Last week, we were talking about what do you do with guilty feelings, and Mike helped us to see that you go to the gospel about guilty feelings. We want to continue the theme we started last week. We talked about feeling guilty and how you deal with that, but I want to focus on a more specific question now, and that is, can I know that I'm saved? And I want to start this discussion by asking you, Mike, is this something you've ever struggled with, what we call this assurance of salvation? I feel like just like last week, we talked about every Christian, I feel like at some point in their walk is going to struggle with this. You know, you read a verse like we, like we were talking about last week, First John, where you say, keep my commandments. And it's like, okay, keep my commandments. That's, that's a hard verse to live by. But for me, it's never been, I've never had a serious struggle with this question. And I think it's just because I still remember the day I was saved. I remember I was 20 years old. It was right before my 21st birthday. And I just remember waking up with the weight of sin pressing me down into my bed. And I kind of slithered out of my bed onto my floor. And I remember praying for forgiveness. And I just remember that forgiveness coming and that weight being lifted. And I remember how, what a terrible, awful human, not just person, human I was. My mother didn't like me. My sister didn't like me. I mean, I was a narcissistic, selfish person. And thinking back on that guy, it's like, wow, it's a miracle that I'm here with you today, and I know that's only by the grace of God. That is one of the possible benefits of coming from a background where there is a more clear change in one moment of time from very lost to very saved. And probably the people listening to this, you'll have a mix of people who've had what we call more a dramatic conversion. Praise God. It glorifies God. And then you'll have a mix of people, somewhat like myself, who had more of what we consider a mundane conversion, where people on the outside wouldn't have noticed right away very clearly. I grew up in a Christian family. So probably that's one of the, mm, is benefits the right word? It's one of the things God often does when your conversion is dramatic, is help you see, man, if God could save me when I was that bad, he's not going to let go of me now. (laughs) So that's good. The good thing of coming from a family is that you don't have the as strong as an old man, I imagine. I mean, I know we both struggle with old men, but you have those, all those old habits and memories that come creeping in, whereas saved in a religious family, you know, spiritual family, it's like, oh, you, you've been sheltered from a lot of that, which is amazing. Praise yes, God. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not advocating for one or the other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think... They're both miracles. Yeah, they're both very much miracles, and they come with their own pros and cons, I guess. They both praise God. Yeah. Well, regardless what your background is, we do want to point out getting started here that this question, can I know I'm saved, is a common one where almost everyone's dealt with it to some degree, some very much. You might be listening to this and you are dealing very deeply with this question right now. If someone is in a, let's say, a works-based salvation system of belief, like the Roman Catholic Church or something like that, then the idea of assurance of salvation is uh, it's an impossibility. There's no sense that you can be assured 
such as in Catholicism uh, or Amish or whatever, anything that's works-based, because it's works-based, how do you know if you did enough works? But we're talking about people who believe that you are saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Even among those persons, there is a great struggle. Can I know I'm saved? And you might think, well, why would we struggle? It's free salvation. Well, it's not a work salvation. How are we struggling with can I know I'm saved? I think this is the troubling logic of it. I tried to put it down here. This is the best I can do with it. Yours might be a little different, but I think it's something like this. I know that I'm saved by faith in Christ alone, not by my works. But I also know that if I'm saved, I've been born again or changed. So I'm different and therefore I will look different. Along with that, I know that Jesus warned that there were people who on the last day would come to him and say, wow, we, we're changed, we're different, we're saved by grace, we're saved. And Jesus will warn them, Jesus will tell them, no, you're not, you tricked yourself. So Matthew 7 is the classic passage. Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I don't know what you think, Mike, but when I look at verse 22, I'm thinking they seem pretty sincere. They seem like they really, maybe they really thought, well, we did all these things. So surely we're Christians. And Jesus' response is, no, you never were. You tricked yourself. So if you have that in the Bible, even if you believe salvation's by grace alone, then it leaves open this logic of, but what if I'm tricking myself? What if what I thought were changes in me were not really enough changes? What if they were just what he said? I'm prophesying your name, I'm just busy for the Lord, but I've not really been changed. What if I'm tricking myself and I still struggle with sin? So what if those sins prove that I'm not the new man, I'm the old man, and I've deceived myself and I'm not really saved and I won't know it until I die and I stand before Christ. He says, I never knew you. And the stakes are so high, it puts the whole question in a pressure cooker. So this is a common struggle, even if you know salvation's by grace through faith in Christ. I want to address this question a little bit differently. We're going to jump into, if you don't have an assurance of your salvation, what's something you can do to grow in that? How can you get that even? But the first thing I want to do before we even talk about how is just step back a little bit and ask a bigger question about God and the Bible. This is the question. When you read the Bible, is God in Scripture the sort of God who, number one, wants his followers always to be second-guessing their salvation and living in dejection and fear and uncertainty even in the face of death? Is that the sort of God you find in the Bible? Here's door number two. On the other hand, in the Bible, do you find a God who wants his children to rest assured in his love? who wants his followers to have confidence in the face even of persecution and death? Which of those looks like the God of the Bible? I promise you, it's definitely door number two. So what I want to point out is even before in your specific case, we ask how can you get an assurance of your salvation? I want you to see that it's very clear from the Bible that God is the sort of God who doesn't want to keep you on the hook in a miserable way. He wants you to have an assurance. Even if you say, but how? Okay, we'll get to that. But first, just accept that he wants you to. 
And if you don't accept that yet, let me give you a few verses to, to prove this big statement I'm making. Here's 1 John 5.13 that we quoted at the beginning. It's John saying, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Is that you? You believe that? You believe in his name? You believe in him? That you may know that you have eternal life. Within Catholicism or the Amish, you'd say that's very arrogant. But that's the Apostle John. He wants you to know that you have eternal life. Not that you might have it, but that you actually have it. Here's John a chapter before, in chapter 4, verses 17, 18. He says, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Some people would say, well, you can't have confidence for the day of judgment. You can't be assured that you'll be saved on that day. You don't know. What if you walk away? What if you don't do enough good? No, 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 no. He wants us to have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, John says. But perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Do you see how John's presenting a picture of the Christian life or of the Christian as someone who is so assured of God's love that it throws out his fear of punishment and he's therefore confident for the day of judgment? He's not wondering, am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I saved? He's confident I'm saved. Let me give you just one last one. Philippians 1.23, Paul says, My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Now, you might not feel that for yourself right now because you're wondering, if I die, will God cast me away? But can you at least acknowledge that that's presented in the Bible as a good thing? That here's Paul, and he is wanting to depart and be with Christ. If he was uncertain whether he'd enter into eternal felicity, happiness in paradise, or eternal destruction, he would not say that, I promise. So even Paul, and in Philippians, Paul says, not that I've attained it yet, I'm still striving to attain to the resurrection. So there's still this laboring. But with that, there is an assurance. If I depart, I will be with Christ. So that's the first thing, and maybe the main thing I want to say here. Before we even talk about how you get an assurance of salvation, I hope you can see that if you just step back and look at the general layout of the Bible, it's clear that this is what God wants for his children because he's a good father. He doesn't want to leave you in misery. He wants you to know that you're a believer, that you're his child, that you're saved, that at the day of judgment, you are pardoned, you will be cleared so that you can live a confident Christian life. All right, that does bring us then to the last part here. How? If you don't have it, if you don't feel confident that you're saved, how do you get that? Thankfully, we've got Mike with us, <laughs> just like last week, and he is the man with the answers. So Mike, I'm turning this over to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a great image in the Old Testament, Zechariah, where he has this vision of Joshua, and Joshua is about to enter in the Holy of Holies, and his uh, robe is stained with excrement, right? There's excrement all over it. And we know that he's going to be struck dead for that, right? But God comes to him, or to Zechariah, and tells him not to worry because God himself will provide the righteousness for Joshua, right? In a single day, he will give him these robes, these take away these, these old stained robes and give him these new robes of righteousness. And I think of that single day he talks about centuries later where our Joshua, our Yeshua, comes on that single day at the cross and covers us. And how do we know, right? How do we know that we can rest in that? Because we know that it doesn't depend on the quality of our repentance or the strength of our faith. It depends on 
the reality of Jesus Christ, that he paid the penalty for every sin we'll commit. We change from day to day, but he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we'll always continue to cover that. We talked earlier before we started this about John Bunyan, famous line from John Bunyan, his biography, where um, he's struggling with this. In fact, you said that he struggled with this most of his life, right? At least early on, yes. Okay, and he and he's he's walking to a garden or something, and this sentence pops into his head, where he says, "My righteousness is seated in heaven," and he knows that it does not depend on him, but it depends on Christ, which is why he is saved. That really ties into last week when we talked about how you deal with guilty feelings. Mm-hmm. At some point, you stop looking at your belly button, and I think in this case, that's what you're having to do. There is a place for examining yourself. I mean, we have 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. You may fail the test. So I think when you're really struggling with assurance, you read your Bible, and it's that verse that's bold, capital, 50-point font. <laughs> and then, you know, all of John 10 is, like, super tiny. But but um, but that is a real passage in the Bible that we have to deal with. You have to test your, you have to examine yourself. Is there fruit in your life? But even in examining yourself, you do that and then immediately look away. And I think what gets us caught up is we do that and then we do that and then we do that and we do that and we do that and we do that and then we spend our whole life doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's not what God intended for the Christian life. That's a part of the Christian life. It's not the whole thing. I think it was McShane who said, for every look at yourself you take, take something like 10 looks at Christ. So getting our eyes away. That's why for Bunyan, that was so significant. He was, he, he had some mental struggles he had, and he was so fixated on himself and to walk through that field that day and just in his mind, my righteousness is in heaven. Hmm. It's wonderful. It's outside of me. It's not me. You know, it's not even in this case in me. It's, it's up in heaven. It's Christ. And it just got his eyes off of himself. I think that's wonderful. I think this assurance of salvation, at the end of the day, it is believing the gospel. And it's believing it for myself. And it can have a combination of, like I said, outward evidences. So we don't discount the fact that if you're a believer, you'll be changed. And there should be some evidence of that. And that's going to help you not trick yourself. Maybe depend more on the advice of others around you who are godly than on your own assessment of yourself. That might help you. Ask people who know you well, who are believers and living a godly life. Ask them, do you think I'm a believer? Don't trust your own thoughts late at night when you're tired and lonely and thinking about yourself. They'll be very negative. So there should be some outward evidence. But at the end of the day, if you're really analytical, you're going to realize How can I know that I know that I know? I want a definite, mechanical, absolute answer. This is a big deal. I want to know it. I want it like written. I want some vision. I want something that cannot be refuted. Well, here's the reality. The external evidences will never be enough to give you that. They're important. They'll never be enough. So what God has provided, because he's the sort of God who wants us to know we're believers, he's provided, along with the outward evidences, an even greater inward assurance that we are believers. This is really the ultimate basis. I guess the gospel is, but this is the ultimate agent of our assurance. It's what's given in Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you want to know all the details, I'm very sorry, they're not provided. (laughs) Too bad, too bad. 
You just have to accept that this is true in a way that we can't quite put our finger on, but a way that is real. The Holy Spirit is given to believers, and one role of the Holy Spirit is to assure us that we are children of God. That's why assurance is possible. Even if we're fallible, even if we can't perfectly assess our own fruit or any of those things, you can still get to the place where you could be martyred for Christ with joy, knowing I'm about to depart and be with Christ, and that's better, without any doubt about it. It's because of this inward assurance of the Holy Spirit. So if you struggle with assurance, yes, look at outward evidence, ask godly people around you, remember the gospel, look away from yourself, and pray that God will, through his Spirit, give you a greater sense of assurance that you are his child. It may be that even listening to this, you've wondered, are you a believer? Others would say that you are, but in your own mind, you wrestle, 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 and have for a long time, and you're left with no assurance, no sense, no rest or comfort that you truly are a believer. Maybe that's bred in you a real fear of death because you don't know what's going to happen afterward. You may have thought those things before, but by God's grace, may we all now think this way.